But, but great to be here and to be able to share the Word of God with you. I'm going to speak to you this morning about the gathering of the church, the gathering of the church. And I normally do this in a series, so I'm just going to give you a kind of an appetizer. And it's, it's quite interesting if you think about it. Why do we get together like this? Who thought of this idea? Was it that pastors got together and, and said, listen, we must make sure that we develop a kind of a, a group that would be our supporters, make sure that we have a good database and get an occasion where they can actually give money into the church. So let's just have a gathering great idea, <laughs> but that's not what the church is about. Do we come together just out of habit or out of tradition? No, I do believe that the church is God's invention. The church was God's idea, not man's idea, and we'll see that in, 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 in the Bible. And I want to start off focusing on one of the vital aspects of being church, and that is fellowship. Fellowship is one of the most important things about church. And just incidentally, let me just say this, um, I, I don't have the time to focus right now on another aspect of the church because I have another series that I call the scattering of the church. It is important for the church to, to go out there. But this morning I just want to focus on why do we gather? And as I said, fellowship is a vital aspect of, of the church. Now, the Greek word for fellowship is an interesting uh, word, it's koinonia, and it speaks about companionship. It speaks about sharing. It speaks about just getting together and interacting with, with one another. Now, when you look at, uh, at the Greek word used in, in the New Testament for church, it's the word ekklesia, and it literally means this. It, it spoke about any kind of gathering at that time, but the Holy Spirit gives it uh, deeper and richer meaning as it's used in the Bible. Ecclesia literally means a group of people called out, convened. And for me, it always says this, first of all, somebody must have called us out. There is a convener, a caller-outer. And as Jesus, he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. To gather together, to, to uh, congregate, that's what the word means. Gathering, congregation, assembly, we can use all those words and they, they basically say the same thing. Now, uh, it, it's very interesting that in the, in the title that I want to give to what I want to speak about this morning, the gathering of the church, there is a tautology. And some of you, you know, it was long ago when I was at school, but some of you will remember the word tautology in grammar class. What does tautology mean? It's a form of grammar, and it describes when people use two words where they could have used one, because these words basically say the same thing. So they could have used one, uh, but they, they used two words and they call that tautology. I'll give you some examples before I, I, I get to what I want to say about the church. I'll give you a short summary. That's already tautology. 
because a summary is short. I'll only take a brief moment. Did you get that one? Let me repeat again. That should be adequate enough. <laughs> okay, so some of you got it, some of you will have to go and get the, listen to the recording and, and, and get it later. But it's interesting when we speak about the gathering of the church, the word church already means gathering. So I am using intentional tautology this morning because I want to speak about the gathering of the gathering. And it's, it's very interesting that if you go through the Bible and see how often, especially in the New Testament, how often it would emphasize the fact that we need to, to gather together. <laughs> and in fact, in gather together, there's tautology as well. And quite often there's intentional triple tautology in the Bible because it speaks about the church that gathered together. So it seems like God wants to emphasize this vital aspect of why do we need to get together? And I want to say to you this morning, you cannot gather on your own. Unless you've, you've kind of overindulged and you have to gather yourself together. <laughs> and you have to take a group photo of yourself. <laughs> But it's not possible to gather on your own. You need other people. And can I say this, and, 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 and some of you might be upset about this, but sometimes Christian TV is not that Christian. Watch out for what you watch. And don't ever think that the television can replace the gathering of the church. Thank God for what we have on television some of us, <laughs> but it can never replace your church because the gathering with other people is vitally important. I, I can tell you now, I don't care who you're watching on television, that person will never get off that screen to come and visit you when you are sick. I know, and I, I, I sometimes see uh, online I, people speaking about an internet church. One, one group of people call themselves your electronic fellowship. The Hebrew word for that is rabish. <laughs> I don't care how high tech you are. You can never replace this vital aspect of fellowship. And if you think that you're part of an online church, I, I can now tell you what your denomination is. You geek orthodox. You, <laughs> you need interaction with real people. I want to read this quote to you. I, I found this so interesting. Uh, it's by a guy called Mike uh, Pilavachi. He's a, he's a British charismatic evangelist. And he said this, he said, being plugged into a good church is better than listening to a podcast from a great church. Involvement beats eavesdropping. <laughs> wow, that's so good. 
and, and, and we need to realize that. Now, if you go, go and do a study of uh, references to the church in the New Testament, you'll find that the Holy Spirit inspired the authors to use these terms that all speak of togetherness because we call the family of God. That means we need to get together. We call the flock of God. That means we have one chief shepherd. And we call the body of Christ. That means we are all members uh, of that body. We call the field of God. We call the building, the habitation of God. So that's vitally important. And I want to say this. We know that an unbeliever cannot be part of the church universal. But I want to also emphasize this. A believer should never be without the church local. It is important for you to belong to a, a local church. Now, I know, I've, I've heard people use all these excuses and say, why do I have to go to church on Sunday? I, I have a beautiful garden. Uh, I, I can worship God in my garden. You could and you should worship God in your garden. But your garden cannot replace this gathering. Because you cannot have fruitful fellowship with frangipanis, freesias, and fuchsias, and other flowers. You need people. You need people to have meaningful interaction with, with those people. There was a, a song that was sung by Clint Eastwood. I don't know if you know that knew that Clint Eastwood could sing. Only once in one movie, they never asked him again. <laughs> but Clint Eastwood sang the song, and it, it, it went something like this. I talk to the trees, but they don't listen to me. Of course they won't listen. And I don't care how, how green you are. <laughs> And whether you're a tree hugger, they won't hug you back. You might, you might be, have a little vegetable patch at home and, and think, wow, it's great. I can spend my Sundays here. I'm enjoying God's presence. Yes, but you need to enjoy the presence of other people. Because let me again say, you cannot have proper communion and companionship with cabbages, cauliflowers, and cucumbers. You need people. You need real people. And, 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 you know, I was surprised when I started doing a study on this, how many scriptures there are actually in the New Testament about gathering together. And here's a principle that Jesus himself uh, endorsed, and he said that every word shall be established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. So if you could find two or three witnesses in the New Testament speaking about gathering together, you need to give attention to that. And I'm, I'm going to show you, and no, no, I won't be able to get to all of them, but I'm going to show you at least a few of them that'll tell you how important it is for us to gather together. Now, if you have a friend or someone that you feel should have been here today and, and heard this message. You, you do have an audio recording of this, don't you? Do you put it, is there a podcast or a online on the website? Please tell them to go there and listen to this. And by the time they get here, they will know why you told them, because you were not here this morning. 
And it's important for us not to neglect the gathering together. That's what the Bible speaks about. So I, I, I want to put it this way. Can you be a soldier without an army? Yes. But I'm not sure how many battles you'll win. Can you be a, a rugby player or a soccer player without a team? Yes. But you won't win a lot of matches. Could you be a, a, a student without a school? Yes. But there are lessons that you won't learn. Could you be a Christian without a church? Yes. But I don't know how victorious you'll be. I don't know how you will grow because the church is God's field under cultivation and that is where you need to grow. Now, I did say to, to you in one of the, the sessions um, when I ministered here earlier, I, you need to understand the church is not a building. We're not talking about a building. If the church is a building, which it is, it's not a physical building. We are the house of God. Remember I said to you, we shouldn't tell the people, welcome to the house of God because he doesn't live here. We should say, welcome house of God because you are the house of God. So please understand, when I'm talking about church, I'm not talking about this place. Church is not a place that you go to. It's a people that you belong to. And it's important to recognize that and, and, and the importance of that. Reinhard Bonker put it this way, and I, I like what he said. He said, a Christian believer needs a church just as a candle needs a candlestick. Just like a tree needs soil and an electric bulb needs a socket. Without a candlestick, a candle cannot stand. Without soil, a tree cannot grow. Without a socket, an electric bulb cannot shine. Neither can you. Without fellowship, a Christian can neither stand nor grow nor shine. That's so good. So, do yourself a favor and go and look up all the, uh, the instances in the New Testament where it speaks about gathering together. I'm going to just give you a few of them. But before I do that, let me start with the scripture in Acts 2.42. And it describes um, the church in Jerusalem at its infant stage. In fact, it's the same chapter where it speaks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, where the church was supernaturally endowed uh, with, with the power from the Holy Spirit. They just experienced the first major addition to the church. They grew from 120 disciples, and God added 3,000 on one day. And here is what it says in that same chapter. It says in Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So there were four pillars that the church of the early days was built on, and it's still valid for us today. And, and, and look at those four things. They continued, in fact, another, another translation, many translations put it this way, they devoted themselves to these four things. They devoted themselves to the doctrine of the apostles, the teaching of the apostles. That's the word of God. Then, if we skip to the last thing, it says they devoted themselves, they continued steadfastly in prayer. So those two things speak about our interaction with God. We speak to God in prayer. We hear from God through His Word. 
But the middle two speak about how important it is to have interaction with other people. The breaking of bread. I personally do not believe that only speaks about communion that we have. I think it speaks about communal meals that Christians shared together. Budavos rolls. <laughs> That's what it speaks of. Interaction with each other, meeting with each other on, on, on um, a friendship and companionship basis. And then the word fellowship, as you see there. So can you see two, two important things concerning my interaction with God and two important things concerning our interaction with each other? And here's something else that characterized the church of the early days. Go and see how often it says, and they were together in one accord. Go and look at the book of Acts, and you'll see how often it speaks about that. Now, I know, as I said, I'm preaching to the converted today, and some of your friends need to listen to, to the, the recording of this. But here's what I want to ask. What makes us different today from another gathering? What makes the gathering of the church unique? What distinguishes us from spectators at a, at a sports event, from an audience at a, at a concert, from a political rally, from maybe a throng of tourists or people at a, a social event, from any other crowd. What makes the church different? God. Because he's the central focus. So this is such a unique gathering. It's so different to any other gathering. And as I said, I want to just draw from the New Testament and, and look at some uh, um, references where it speaks about gathering together. And as, as you go and do your own personal study on this, go and look at why we are gathering and what the ingredients should be in our gathering that, that is important. Now, I want to give you just a, a series of words, and I have at least 15 of them, but I'm just going to deal with a few this morning. Because these words will give us, these are key words that will help us to understand the essence of our gathering. And here's the first word, adoration. Adoration. We get together for the purpose of worshiping God and giving Him the place that He should have. It's very interesting that Jesus is the first person to use the word church as it's recorded in the Gospels. In fact, he's the only one that used the word church in the Gospels. And, and also interesting, it, you only find the word church in Matthew's Gospel in two instances, in Matthew 16 and in, in, in Matthew 18. And incidentally, go and study those two passages. You'll see the one speaks about the local church, and the other one speaks about the universal church. So I want to focus just on something Jesus said in Matthew 18 and verse 20, because he continues talking about the church, uh, and, and, and in verse 17 he mentions the church. Verse 20 he says, Where two or three are gathered together, and here's the key, in my name, I am there in the midst of them. That is what makes this gathering unique because we're not gathering in any other name for any other purpose, but we're getting together in the name of Jesus and he is the central figure. 
there's a tendency in some churches that Jesus doesn't even feature. Because it's all about the preacher. And, and, and even in, in some sermons, I, I'm concerned when I listen to some sermons because you could have heard that outside there in a motivational talk. Uh, Cor and I were driving home from a service one day, and I said to her, did you realize that Jesus never featured in that sermon? He managed to sneak, out in, the, sneak in in the last three minutes of the sermon. But it was all about I, me, and my ministries. And some preachers have an eye problem, an eye disease. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And, and the gathering should be centered around Jesus. He's the founder of the church. He's the owner of the church. He's the Lord of the church. He's the builder of the church. He should get more honor than the house. And our, our first and major purpose before anything else, before we even interact with each other, is corporate worship, is to give glory to God because it's not about me, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. And that's our most important ministry. In Acts 13, in verse 1, it speaks about the church. Remember, the word means gathering. And it speaks about the church that was at Antioch. And then in verse 2, it says... As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, our first ministry is to the Lord. Before we minister to people, the primary ministry of the church is unto the Lord. And here's the beautiful thing. It says, as they ministered to the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, guess what? When you speak to God, he'll speak back to you. He'll respond. And it's in this setting that the church uh, when they worship God, that God got involved. And Jesus promised that he will be in the midst of the church. And just incidentally, he said only two or three. Now, I, I don't think that was intended to be an excuse for a poor attendance. Because I've heard people say, we just made it, we two or three, at least Jesus is here. It's not about that. It's just about, <laughs> about the, the unity uh, that there should be, and, and Jesus says, I will be in your midst uh, if you get together in my name. I, I know maybe the, the exegesis of this is not 100% uh, correct, but Jesus did say, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men, all people unto me. And that's what, what will happen. When we lift up Jesus, he draws us to him, and as we're drawn to him, we actually drawn closer to each other because he's the focal point. So that's the first and most important part of our uh, gathering together. The second one uh, that I want to mention, and I think this is also important, is supplication. Supplication. And it, here's, here's what is important. When the church comes together, first of all, we give to God adoration, but we can ask of God. That's what supplication means. There is a place for private and personal prayer, but there is a definite place for corporate prayer. And, and, and Jesus spoke about that, how powerful corporate prayer can be. 
And I want to get to that a little bit later, but let me just focus on, on the church in the early days again, because they like a br- blueprint for us. In Acts 4, 4 and verse 31, it says, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together, there's that phrase again, was shaken. Acts 12 and verse 12 speaks about Peter, how he was supernaturally released by an angel from from prison, led into the city, and we read the following. It says, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. So there is a place for corporate prayer where we need to gather together and where we need to uh, bring our, our needs before God. And there's multiplied power in the prayer of agreement. In fact, let me deal with the, with the next and the last thing that I'm going to focus on because uh, obviously we, we don't have the time. But here's a third key word about our gathering together. Why do we gather together? For harmonization. And I want to continue on the theme of, of agreeing in prayer. We read Matthew 18 and verse 20 earlier. If we go back, Uh, to verse 15, Jesus is speaking here about the whole topic here is about reconciliation, about making sure that there's nothing between us. And he says uh, in verse 15, if your brother sins against you, why did he say brother, not sister? Because it's usually the brothers that sin. No. (laughs) No, it's very, very interesting. The, The Greek word uh, there is, is almost genderless because it's like the word sibling. It includes male and female. And it says, if somebody in your f- uh, spiritual family would sin. If your brother sins against you, he says, then go to him and tell him his fault between you alo- alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. That's the whole motive, to gain the brother, to be reconciled again. And uh, I, I'm going to leave the rest of the scripture But then he says in verse 19, again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Wow. That is the power of the prayer of agreement. Now, here's something interesting. The Greek word for agree there in verse 19 is the word symphonia, where we get our word symphony from. In other words, here's what he's saying. If we harmonize, and then verse 20 follows. He says, if two or three gather together in my name, I'll be in the the midst of them. So the important ingredient here is harmony, and then harmonization, and then adoration, and then Jesus says, I will manifest myself in your midst. So harmonization is is vitally important. And here's what we we need to understand. And Adrian said that about in his prayer about heritage. We come from different backgrounds. We're not the same. We're different. But unity is not uniformity. God is a God of diversity. And we need to celebrate the diversity that he's created. And we need to appreciate that. Because God wants us to, um, to recognize what, what he's done in, in, in the lives of, of others. So we are not the same. We don't have the same backgrounds. We don't have the same gifts. We don't have the same callings. And if you look at a symphony orchestra, 
the, the instruments are different. They're totally different. You get the strength instruments, you get the wind instruments, you get um, the percussion instruments, totally different to each other. But together, they make a beautiful sound. So don't expect somebody to become like you. God doesn't want us to clone ourselves. God wants us to make disciples that will be unique in following him, not following us. And so you are totally different to the person next to you. And here's the other thing about a symphony orchestra. Not only are the instruments different, they don't even play the same notes. But guess what? They play in harmony. And here's the beautiful thing. You today here, we are God's symphony orchestra. We are God's philharmonic orchestra. I like the word philharmonic because it speaks about the love of harmony. We are God's philharmonic orchestra, and we can make beautiful music that He loves. And, and guess what? God listens to every single instrument because he's controlling everything up there, and he can, you know, if, if you ever uh, have been in a recording studio, that uh, audio engineer can actually just take out one instrument, and he can listen to just that one instrument. And here's the beautiful thing. Even if you don't have a Pavarotti voice, God wants you to sing. I mean, you guys, you, you did so well this morning, but some of us sing in the cracks between the notes. We cannot hit the note. But God still wants us to sing because God is not listening. I think he must have, what, what do you call that thing? Is it a converter where you can actually bring someone's voice up or bring it down so that it actually lands on the note? But God wants you in his choir whether you can sing or not. Even though, you know, when you joined the choir, 20 people changed their religion. And when you resigned from the choir, everybody said, when did they fix the keyboard? <laughs> That's why God says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because God wants that harmony, and he can get it from us if we are in unity. It doesn't speak about whether you, you, you are the best in, in the church. God sees you, and he needs you. So I want to encourage you, let's make beautiful music for God. Let's be God's symphony orchestra. Let's allow um, our participation to bring glory to God. There's, a, there's another word for the opposite of, of harmony or symphony, and it's a I always think it's a funny word because the word is cacophony. <coughs> it, it sounds bad. And don't you be the one that is out of tune in this church. Get involved, get the heart, get the vision of this church, and work together and make beautiful music unto God. There's, a, there's an expression that we use in English, and I find it so interesting that it actually comes out of the church world. Uh, you'll, you'll hear that sometimes in the corporate world, are we singing from the same hymn sheet? Because that's what the church is 
supposed to be about, about harmony. So I want to encourage you. I, I don't know you, and incidentally, I am a guest speaker here. This is not the local church where I, I go to, but I, I love the local church. And if you are here as a visitor and you're looking for a church, this is a good church. And they'll care about you. But there's a responsibility that you need to get part of the church. You need to belong. Amen.